Hi, I'm Paul Swingflow and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, it's all about being better together as we take a look at what happens when technology companies partner up. So, settle back and enjoy the show. Hi and welcome to another episode of Tech Interviews. So, uh, this week we've got Tech Interviews out on the road uh, and visiting our friends over at um, Arrow ECS where we've been having a really interesting day looking at NetApp's HCI platform uh, and its integration with Veeam and what that means for the way we deploy infrastructure um, and the way we, we work with infrastructure for, for now and for the future. Um, so we're going to talk, uh, you know, a little bit generally about kind of the topic. Uh, we may may dive a little bit into um, where Veeam and NetApp have some specific integration points and, and things of particular interest. Um, so I'm actually joined by quite a big audience for tech interviews this week. Uh, I've got four guests. Um, so rather than me uh, mispronounce names and forget people and get them wrong, I'll let them all introduce themselves. So um, contestant number one. Uh, Jason Fitzgerald from Gardner Systems, uh, technical consultant. I work with you every day. Okay, I thought I recognised you. Um, next. Hi, uh, it's Alan Griffiths. I'm a technical account manager here at uh, Arrow ECS, uh, looking after our uh, technical needs of uh, the partner community. And hi, uh, Kevin Ridings from Veeam Software. I'm an Alliance Systems Engineer um, at Veeam Software, as I said. Hi, I'm Paul Slutano. Uh, I also work for Arrow, and I'm a uh, technical consultant. Okay, so uh, they, they're all sounding very professional, uh, considering the day we've been having, which has uh, had a lot of cake involved. Um, but yeah, all, all very professional, all sound like they do real jobs, which is which is a good starting point. So um, well, well, let's start by a little bit for maybe for people who've not listened to this, not maybe particularly familiar with the HCI market. Uh, maybe start with you, Alan. Yeah, what, what's when we talk about HCI, what what do we mean? Um, you know, what, why why do we have a HCI market? Um, you know, what what kind of areas is it trying to address? So I think for me, um, HCI <clears throat> excuse me can mean different things to different uh, customers. So um, me personally, it's all about that um, converged infrastructure, but just making uh, a more condensed version of it. Um, Hyper converged. Uh, infrastructure, as, as the name kind of suggests to me, it's uh, it's smaller. It's got a smaller footprint. Uh, it does more um, than perhaps uh, a traditional uh, converged infrastructure. For example, FlexPod. Uh, again, there are other uh, converged infrastructures out there, but uh, my history and background is is around FlexPod. Um, and obviously, today we've looked at NetApp uh, and their offering around the. Um, hyper-converged or hybrid cloud infrastructure, uh, which is another viewpoint that you know some people have around that uh, that HCI offering. So um, yeah, and it's it's actually becoming quite popular in the marketplace out there with with end users. So I mean, what do you think's um, driving that popularity? You know, we we, we talked you talked about kind of converging infrastructure together. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about kind of some of those uh, you know maybe more traditional converged platforms. You talked about FlexPod, but you know uh, other other versions are available. Um, so you know, beyond hyperconverged delivering all of that kind of stuff in a much smaller box. Uh, what what other kind of areas are people looking at? You know, talking about its kind of growing popularity. What's some of the things that are driving that? That's a great, great question. So um, for me <clears throat> and some of the um, opportunities that I've worked on with partners, uh, some of the uh, the different um, um, business objectives that uh, customers are trying to uh, address, um, things like uh, scalability, for example, um, you know, being able to scale quickly and easily uh, is quite important to some customers. You know, trying to scale um, a flex pod, 
um, again is yes you, you can do it but it's not as easy uh, as as you would imagine um, you know the, the bits of uh, tin involved are, are reasonably uh, large they're probably as big as me <laughs> but uh, and, and, and almost as heavy um, but again you know if you look at some of the other HCI offerings NetApp in, in particular um, you know it's much much easier to scale but then that's just one element of of what I think a HCI offering should have the scalability great um, guaranteeing performance you know, especially um, around um, the VDI, for example, or the uh, end user computing. That's important as well, uh, from, from from my point of view. Um, integration with uh, orchestration and automation platforms. Yeah, it's uh, it's key. It's um, some customers, um, not all, but quite a few customers have uh, you know have wanted to see that capability. You know, because they have particular individuals that, you know, operate in that sort of area, um, DevOps and, and so on. Um, the uh, I've mentioned guaranteed performance, the um, efficiencies that you would expect from uh, an enterprise class storage array. That's also important. You should get that within within your HCI platform. And the other thing, which uh, I'm just trying to remember, what's uh, on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember. It's always the fifth one that I forget. <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay. We'll, we'll edit that in later, don't worry. Um, right. so, um, <laughs> Thank God. So, so to, to take Alan, uh, the spotlight off Alan for a moment uh, and point it at, uh, at the other poll. Um, so, you know, you, again, a bit like with Alan, you know, you've had experience of kind of converged infrastructure yep. and, uh, and this look at hyper-converged. Um, uh, you know, it is this idea of the way that people are looking to deploy infrastructure uh, you know it, it, is that changing is that something that's driving hyperconverge? you know Alan touched there on some of the kind of automation of deployment and simplicity of deployment is it that need for a more flexible and agile way of deploying infrastructure a big driver yeah I believe so um, I mean traditionally um, deployments were very um, sort of down to the in- individual person deploying it um, and you may, you know, from deployment to deployment, you may have little small things that you might change. Whereas when you start looking at, at um, certainly the NetApp HCI with the way you deploy that, that is done in a very automated uh, uh, fashion using the uh, NetApp deployment engine. So each uh, deployment is done exactly the same. Obviously, it's set for networking and, mm. and names and that. But effectively, each deployment should be identical. Yeah, that, I think that um, that consistency of deployment, I think, is is increasingly important. Mm. You know, I think as we look at the way that we are starting to deploy infrastructure, you know, we talked earlier on, didn't we, about some of the drivers behind this is the way that potentially people are seeing public cloud. You know, so yeah. when we go into public cloud, we might enter into a marketplace, and within that marketplace, we say we want to build some infrastructure. Mm. And then that infrastructure magically happens in the back end. But what we always know is that infrastructure will always be the same. You know, you want a yeah. SQL server in Azure, it's always a SQL server in Azure. It's not Alan's flavour or Paul's flavour yeah. or Jason's yeah. flavour yeah. of what that should look like. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, I mean, do, so, so do you think that consistency element is, is key again to some of the things driving this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think going forward, we certainly, you know, as you've talked about other technologies, I think it's key to, to, to have a consistent deployment uh, methodology. 
So, Jason, let's come and pick on you for a moment. Um, so this is uh, so this is a kind of the, the maybe the, the first time I think you've seen uh, some of these HCI platforms yep. in in kind of the, the real world. And, and with your experience with some of the customers you work with, a lot of the infrastructure that you deploy, um, you know, how, how have you? What have you seen in HCI that makes you think, yeah, actually, this could be something that that would play a part in you know in certain types of enterprises? Probably not all, but but certainly in some. I think it's the uh, consistency of the deployments. Um, a lot of organisations that we deal with have got some kind of you know, virtualization configuration, so NetApp SAN underneath and uh, VMware on top. But when it comes to expanding that environment, it could be that the server's built slightly differently. Uh, it's running, you know, um, there's, there's a different setup, even though potentially the same uh, documentation has been followed because it's 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 a process performed by individuals. There can be variation in that. So I think that uh, one of the one one of the areas that stood out for me today was the kind of consistency with the NetApp deployment engine with the NDE that simplifies that so that it's a you know it's a wizard based process of let's get the core information so the uh, vMotion network, the iSCSI network, the management network, and you can bring in your nodes in just literally one simple interface that checks it as you go. So we, we, we built this earlier on. We re- rebuilt the whole HCI infrastructure. Alan took us through it, took you know, maybe an hour to go through, but at no point were we questioning, okay, have I done this right from VMware's perspective? It, because it's automated through that engine. The consistency is there, so you know that you can scale the deployments without the doubt that is this actually going to work as it did before? Yeah, because you already know because you've seen it happen before that you already know that that's going to be going to be something that's got you know I, I can already trust that this build's going to work because I've, I've this is a repeatable and consistent deployment. Yeah, exactly, and it's 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 around the consistency. I think I think that where where this will be um, quite a, a driver for some some organisations is where. They're trying to uh, consciously look at their infrastructure and say, okay, our infrastructure is uh, virtualized, for example. How do we scale this easier? But how do we also make sure that it is uh, has the stability when we do expand? You know, we, we don't want to go through a, a process of expansion and then find that VMware doesn't work. We're not getting the performance that we needed. From what we've seen today, you know, you can introduce a new node in, and you're getting your guaranteed performance. So that's that. That for me is 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 uh, is where the the HCI really stands out. And I suppose with that as well is you don't really need to rely on having the same consultant doing the expansion uh, because you don't need that prior knowledge. Mm. Uh, if if you're if you're using a, a templated uh, method of deployment using the ND, then it can be any other certified consultant I think that's an important part of modern infrastructure as well mm. I think yeah, that that kind of templated way that we want to deploy things you know if, if we look at the you know the world of software defined I think you know one of the things that's attractive in that space is the idea that with a software defined infrastructure it is repeatable implementation wherever you go and it's actually it's not really that it, it doesn't particularly matter on the location or the type of hardware mm. 
I'm removing the kind of the idea of um, human creativity almost <laughs> in that, you know, as we said before, my, yeah. my version of a deployment might be different from yours, yeah. but that comes with risk. That makes support more difficult. It makes, um, it, yeah, it potentially opens security risks. It certainly opens up performance risks yeah. because yeah. we're all doing our own, own little tweaks to it, um, which leads us on because uh, Kev maybe thought we'd forgotten about him and wondering why he was here. Um, but it was interesting because we, we started today actually looking at um, some of the integration at Veeam offer with, with the NetApp HCI platform in, in this place but you know certainly as, as we know uh, Veeam has numerous integrations with, with other HCI vendors other storage mm-hmm. vendors um, but, but interesting talking about that idea of consistency and repeatable I thought one of the things that was really interesting around the piece that you've shown us earlier on with Veeam was that the amount of flexibility I can have in what sits underneath that but I'm always seeing the same Veeam interface. But, but from a Veeam point of view, you know, where, where do you see Veeam and this kind of HCI market and, and where Veeam's bringing value? Well, I think we, to, to a degree, we share some messaging. We, you know, we've heard today uh, here about the, the NDE, the, the ease of deployment, the simplicity of management after deployment. And, and I think Veeam really, really, really has sort of the, the same sort of uh, idea here, uh, the ease of use and, and the ease of management after after deployment there and, and be able to sort of um, a, apply the, our, our protection models, the ability to make that data available on top of that HCI environment is, is, is really quite, a, I think, a, a valuable piece. And, and as you said there, Paul, um, perhaps not even just HCI, having the ability to make those restoration tasks very easy. Um, I, I talk about um, turning restore tasks into uh, being performed by an IT generalist. So we, we, can, we can look into the snapshots that exist down on a piece of storage here today. Specifically, we've been looking at HCI. Um, we, can, we can explore into those snapshots, even if we weren't involved in creating them. So the, the restore operator, the IT generalist, can leverage the snapshot technology without having been uh, trained in storage or being the storage guy. And I, and I think that really does overlay well on, on a HCI uh, environment, as, as you saw with the explorers a little earlier. Yeah, we'll come back to the Explorers. I think there's some really interesting stuff in there and things that actually I've not completely appreciated that we might be able to do. But looking at that kind of idea of taking advantage of backup data I've got, of snapshots that I've got, you know, is part of what Veeam are doing in this space, looking at potentially HCI as this kind of, um, you know, recovery infrastructure appliance, for want of a better word, you know, the idea that we can go to... You know, I, I can build all of my compute and backup storage in one place, and then if I need to use something like Veeam's instant recovery capability, I've already got a platform with all the resources I need. You know, is it is the value in that kind of approach? Yeah, yes, is is the is the quick answer. I, I think having. Um, I know I would have sounded stupid if you said no. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, ha- having that kind of solution stack in a, in, a, in a highly available environment. I do see value in, and I see quite a large number of, of enterprise customers wanting that kind of similar availability in their backup environment that they have in their production environment today, um, because they want to know that we can recover in five minutes, in fifteen minutes, regardless of what has maybe broke in the environment. So yes, I, I do see that day to day in enterprise customers. Yeah, and it's that um, maybe for you, Alan, as well. You know, it's, I suppose it's that idea. You know, we've talked a lot about kind of consistency and repeatable, but the idea that we could potentially sit NetApp HCI, let's say, yeah. behind uh, you know a Veeam availability infrastructure, yeah. Yeah. 
But we could be protecting workloads from absolutely anywhere in that, but being able to, when we present them and recover them, and maybe we're using, as we say, that kind of instant recovery model, that we know we're going to get a consistent and repeatable recovery engine as well. And then we can maybe move that back into, even if our production infrastructure doesn't sit on inside of uh, inside a NetApp HCI, maybe sit on something else, but we can recover it quickly there and then we can move it. You know, Is that is that the kind of thing that you see as well? Is that the kind of use uh, cases I'm you see? I'm seeing that crop, crop up, actually, uh, uh, more and more. Uh, during my travels I'm just thinking back to um, an example of that that we had when myself and, and Kevin Paul um, started to put the, the sort of Veeam environment that we have here at Arrow with our HCI kit putting that all together we've actually got a little faz as well that have got some virtual machines sat on there in a, in a snapshot in a backup uh, we deployed Veeam we uh, got everything up and running and, and, and Kev sort of commented oh I can see the snapshots on your faz that have got these old um, virtual machines in there, which we were then able to pull out and recover and do something with. So, you know, if we hadn't had that a Veeam deployed on the HCI, we probably wouldn't have known that these old VMs were sat there that I'd been looking for for a few days and forgotten where I'd put them. <laughs> which, yeah, you know, it's, it can happen. Um, you know, and it, it just highlighted that, you know, look, that, that there may be something in this. You know, it doesn't really matter what's underneath as long as you've got a platform that can look at that storage underneath and pull information from it that you need and recover it you've got something to recover it you've got something to get access to it to pull it back so for me i think there's um there's definitely something there that can be looked at worked on uh, and, and utilized by um as kev said mainly enterprise customers but you know, let's see what the future holds. So you talked about this kind of Veeam Explorer. You both talked about these, actually, and the, the idea that... Um, so, so maybe for somebody listening to this who doesn't know... Because uh, before I ask that question, actually, one of the things that was really interesting what you just said, Alan, was the idea that often, I think, one of the problems we come across when we meet with an enterprise and they're talking about their infrastructure is they often have no idea what's in that Absolutely. infrastructure. Uh, some comments on that. Again, um, working with a partner... Um, around a customer that had a large estate and I'm talking you know petabytes and petabytes of information there what we did we, we did a, a bit of analysis of, of the data they had um, they had about I think it was about 35% of, of, of their data that we, we discovered was usable it's stuff that was addressed and, and utilized every day there was a whole um, chunk I think it was something along the lines of I think it was about 27% maybe a bit more I can't remember the exact figures but it, it was a, a reasonable amount of data that wasn't accessed every day there was kind of archive that was sat there uh, some of it was you know uh, users personal data videos from their their phone or whatever but the largest chunk we found was this dark data um, element which was data that nobody knew about that people had forgotten about and that was sat on even old storage arrays that you know were sat somewhere under a desk or in a, in a cloakroom somewhere that was just wasn't you know, being accessed at all, but it was consuming storage, consuming power. Um, so, you know, um, having all that, that data sat there and not being able to know wh where it is, what it is, or all of it, where it is and what it is, um, yeah, it's quite quite a bit of a concern. 
Yeah, and, and so you talked about these explorers before then. So, you know, for people who may be listening to this who have no idea about Veeam or what a Veeam explorer is, you know, maybe in context what Alan's saying is, what, what, do, what do they do, how do you use them, what, what, do, what do they give you insight into that you might not otherwise have? Okay, so there's a number of Veeam explorers. Um, there's the one that I'll start with, which is the uh, Veeam explorer for story snapshots, but we have uh, the explorers for Active Directory, SQL, Exchange, Oracle, SharePoint. And this is a way of understanding a lower level environment. So for the for the Explorer for Story Snapshots, it's a looks like a file explorer and it's the ability to understand the contents of the snapshot down on a piece of storage that we integrate with. That that could be SolidFire or could be one of our many other integrations. And and the key to, 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 to that initially is we don't have to have been involved in creating any of those snapshots. And what, what we actually do to make that viewable within the Explorer is we rescan that snapshot and we reference that against the vSphere infrastructure and we see virtual machines within those snapshots. And once we've done that, we can see all those virtual machines. We can just right-click on them. We can do file-level recovery. We can do application item recovery. We can even do instant VM recovery. And that's from a storage snapshot without being storage trained. The application explorers are for understanding any applications that are perhaps within the story snapshots or perhaps even within backups because i think blending the use of snapshots and backups is a very good recovery model so for instance the one that we looked at earlier today was the explorer for exchange so i was very easy i was very easily able to browse into the exchange vm within a snapshot that we didn't have anything to do with creating and i was very quickly able to either interact directly with the mailbox i could browse into the mailbox i could browse into my inbox i was able to open up an email i could have recovered that email as an msg file into a pst could have recovered that to 365 or even recovered it back in place within exchange in a very small number of clicks this could have been performed by an it generalist again not by the storage guy understanding how to mount and, and use snapshots so this um so that capability and actually it's capability worth seeing because i think it's a, you know that piece you've just talked about being able to explore those snapshots even though we've had nothing to do with creating them you know gives you some visibility into some of these capabilities that regardless of the storage engine that is using them or is maybe taking those snapshots Indeed. that you can still use one application to access them so so cheap veeam plug coming here for you so you can just walk straight into this one so um, i'm assuming a capability like that costs a small fortune to have how expensive is that capability Kevin? You, you would imagine uh, but the veeam explorer for story snapshots is available across all versions of veeam so as was free edition but also in recently reduced uh, recent released community edition so you can have the ability to browse your snapshots on all the integrated storage pieces so that's across uh, the net app the hp portfolio and the others you can browse into those recover from those with community edition which is zero cost that's zero cost he mentioned there um but i think yeah that's worth and we'll, we'll kind of get back to how people find copies of stuff like this because i think that is a mm. it's a powerful capability and i think when you see that in uh, you know alongside and in context with what we were looking at with NetApp HCI, how it interacted with ONTAP, but how it would interact with a number of different types of storage platforms, but gives you the ability, you know, and we talked before about this idea of 
you know, consistent consistent access and the ability to have flexibility in where we deploy this stuff, but actually to pick that data up and then restore it to other places, use it as a way of moving data from one platform to another. You know, lots of those capabilities were really valuable. And I just want to come back to Paul for a second because he one of the things that he was very excited about today was the, um, and I think it's one of these things that unless you see it, you, you know, you don't necessarily see its value. But you've shown us um, an example of how you've used some of these explorers to do uh, to, to work alongside Active Directory, um, yeah. So, what, what, yeah, what, tell, tell the listener. Yeah, so we uh, we looked at the um, the AD Explorer, um, and what we did is we we made a very simple change to a, a user account, which uh, I think was a description. I think we changed the description, mm. and then once we'd done that in the live AD. We then uh, opened up the um, Veeam AD Explorer and we looked, we looked at a particular recovery point and we were able to then see, compare the, re- the, the uh, user that's stored within the uh, recovery point against the, li- the, the live AD, uh, um, AD and we could see the changes that we made. So we could, we could, we could look. So, so for me, a use case would be if, um, if a... Uh, IT uh, support guy went in and made a, uh, a change to an app route on, on an object in AD. Wasn't quite sure what he changed, but it had an impact on the environment. Understood what object he changed, but not what attribute. He could then go to the backup and do a comparison between what, what's in the backup and the, the, the live object and see what had actually been changed. Um, and then have the, the ability then to actually restore the 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 the, uh, the attribute back to what it was. Hmm. Yeah, and, and it was a, see one of those things that was really simple to do, but hmm. actually you could see the, the powerful capability of that. Even in terms of security audit, you know, we think something's changed in AD. It's a real quick way of being able to find out what what those things are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll come back to you now, Jason. Uh, you know, as we start to uh, kind of start to wrap up. So, you know, you, we, we've talked a little bit about this kind of the NetApp integration message. Um, you know, this kind of better together idea um, to, to pinch a marketing phrase. Um, but obviously, you've seen some of that integration today. I mean, was, was some things that stood out for you? in the, the way that some of these applications are working together? Uh, I think it was an overall feeling of how simple it, everything worked together. It, it, it wasn't Easy. difficult yeah. to get everything to integrate together. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, Kev started earlier on this morning with the uh, Veeam uh, storage snapshots. Um, you know, as he's explained, it was snapshots that weren't taken by Veeam but we're in the environment and it, it, it was making that visible to the customer on these are the changes in the environment and this is, this is what we can restore. The underlying environment, to be honest, could, could have been anything. In this case, it was NetApp HCI, but from, from Veeam's perspective, it's, uh, it, it just seemed kind of transparent. You know, uh, as an IT person, it is you know, hands-on. I was looking at that thinking, uh, nothing... It seems to be too many clicks away. You know, it was like five clicks away, and we can see the email that was uh, deleted by someone, and it was another click to restore it. Uh, we took a look at the uh, AD Explorer as well, um, and then and then the afternoon led into into the HCI. You know, Alan took us through the deployment of everything. Again, not a complex deployment, but it seems like it it was quite. Um, a, 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 a simple way of everything just kind of seamlessly working together to make the IT person's job simpler. You know, but IT doesn't have to be complex, but a lot of time we find that it is. 
because you know misconfigurations or you know software that doesn't quite work together but you know we have to go through these procedures so that we we get to the end results from what i've seen today it just seems to work naturally mm. yeah and i, and I think I, you know, it's hugely valuable I, I, you know, I think infrastructure you know we've talked about keep mentioning this word about consistency and, and ease of deployment yeah but a big part of infrastructure is that when it's deployed that you just want it to work because the yeah. idea is that we don't want to spend our lives keeping the infrastructure on and running what we want to be able to do is get on with the day-to-day job yeah so i, I mean just just as we kind of you know just before we wrap up uh, maybe another question for alan and kevin perhaps um is that we've, we've talked about HCI and what HCI is and why HCI might be interesting to people. Um, but I think one of the things that's interesting what NetApp are doing in this space is that they've gone a little beyond, you know, and actually lots of us look at HCI and call it hyper-converged infrastructure, but NetApp are kind of tweaking and playing around with that message a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, do, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Um, so, yeah, the the, the, um, the HCI that, that offering that NetApp have, um, as you say, they, they've kind of tweaked how it's referenced so uh, in terms of its name so that it's more known as a hybrid cloud infrastructure now um you know to to lend itself more to you know integrating with cloud platforms but still allowing you to have something on premises um you know being able to move that data around as needed um it's it's what we spoke about earlier on about using that um data fabric Underneath, as uh, as your transport to be able to move things from the cloud to to your HCI platform, your hybrid cloud platform, um, you know, and just making data available, data uh, being agile, you know, and it's okay to make the mistake of you know putting your data in the cloud and then thinking right, okay, I now need to move it back on premises. Um, you are able to do that with with uh, you know the products or most of the products that uh, NetApp have in their portfolio. You know, uh, moving data from HCI to the cloud, you may have um, an on-tap cloud volumes uh, sat in AWS or Azure or you know a, a hyperscaler. You can then move that back to um, to a FAS platform, and then indeed from the FAS back to the HCI. Um, so it, it, it's kind of a different um, view of uh, the HCI platform that that NetApp have formed. I quite like it because uh, everything today seems to be. Uh, well, it is revolving around cloud and integration with cloud, um, you know, and looking at the NetApp HCI platform as a hybrid cloud infrastructure, to me, kind of makes sense. Um, hybrid cloud, for me, is is the the, the better way of, of, of dealing with things or with your data and having options and having that um, mm. ability to be agile, to 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 you know move your data where you see is the best place to, to locate it but then relocate it at you know uh, at a later stage easily quickly you know um and being agile well i think you know i think that is a reality for people as well isn't it that the you know the modern infrastructure is going to have elements of things that sit on prem it's going to have elements of things that sit in the public cloud it's going to have things that sit in other geolocations mm-hmm. and the reality is we need our data in all of these places but we need yeah. to be able to manage it and, and simply move that data around absolutely um, and and that it kind of plays a little bit with Veeam's message as well, doesn't it, Kev? That you know that, yeah. that it's a similar message, and you know, and, and actually, this kind of integration with what NetApp are doing only enables that even more. Well, that's right. And I think organisations don't want to be siloed and, and and be restricted about where they can move their data. So we we, we have a sort of reflective message uh, to, to what Alan has just been saying there yeah. about cloud mobility. 
uh, we, we, we discussed it earlier. So the, the ability to, if we've protected something, if we've protected a workload, regardless almost of perhaps where it was when we protected it, we have the ability to restore it to multiple locations. We can restore direct to Azure. We can restore direct to uh, Azure Stack or perhaps even AWS. So that really embraces that mobility of data. And, and, and even coming from even an EC2 instance we might have protected, that can be brought back to an on-prem. So it really, it, it really embraces that mobility and supports that enterprise agility, but really mobility. So, so you, you, you're not, you've not got a workload fixed in a particular location. Well, I think, guys, um, you know, as we come to the end of our recording time here, I think it's been, it's been a really interesting day. Um, I know certainly for myself and Jason, you know, some, some of this stuff and integrations we've looked at for the first time has, has been real powerful and it all fits in with lots of the conversations that we're having on a regular basis around mobility of data, around integration, kind of the hybrid cloud piece, and, and around ease of deployment and, and consistent operation. And if the fact that actually we just, with our infrastructure, just want to be able to get on with delivering the business outcome that that infrastructure exists. You know, we don't want to spend all our time nursing an infrastructure. Okay. Um, so anyway, before we wrap up here, guys, um, if people have uh, been interested in what we've talked about today, let's hope they have been, certainly what you guys have talked about, and uh, my waffling is a, is a whole different matter. Um, but, you know, if people want to kind of find out a little bit more about um, any of the things we've talked about today or want to come and hunt you down online, um, I'll go around the table and find out how, um, how people can, can do that. Well, if you want to know more information about Veeam, you can certainly uh, go straight to veeam.com or you could contact my direct, me directly. My, my Twitter handle is at UK Penfold. You'll be able to find me and happy to answer most questions. And if people want to get hold of the community edition to try some of this stuff out? Uh, Veeam.com, very easy to find from that. Look for community edition when you're in there. Yes. <laughs> so uh, for me, uh, Alan Griffiths, um, obviously I, I work at uh, ROECS. Um, my uh, Twitter handle is uh, the Welsh Matador. I would say the, but it's not. It's Welsh Matador. Um, you, can, you can find me online. Again, the same as Kev. I'm happy to answer um, most questions. Um, <laughs> I have had some in the past that, uh, yeah, but that's another story, maybe over a beer. Uh, but yeah, um, if you uh, if you're a NetApp partner and, and you you work with Arrow as uh, as your distributor, please look me up. And if you want more information and uh, access to the kit, yeah, I'm more than happy to get stuck into that. Yes, yeah, so uh, Jason Fitzgerald from Gardeners. Uh, Twitter is where to find me. Uh, it's J underscore Fitzgerald so that's J-J-A-Y underscore Fitzgerald uh, all kinds of tech stuff on there you know um, posting uh, tweet quite a lot uh, yeah feel free to get in touch um, answer questions just general engagement drop me drop me a tweet okay well guys all, all, thanks very much appreciate your time and uh, look forward to speaking to you all again on the show at some point in the future thanks very much thanks, thanks Paul. Okay, cheers I hope you enjoyed that for show notes get over to techstringy.com we'll also find all of our previous tech interviews episodes And if you've got an idea for the show, then why not drop us a line? You can email me at podcast at techstringy.com. And if you enjoy the show, why not subscribe? You can find us in all the usual places, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Stitcher, as well as all other good homes of podcasts. So until next time, thanks for listening.